Welcome to the latest episode of Too Boldly Pod, the unscripted podcast about anything and everything. And, yeah, you know how the rest of it goes. This also happens to be the midway point of our little mini-series called Show Your Work. And before we get into Chapter 5, I want to kind of cover a little something that's been brought to my attention a few times by people that have inquired about what I've talked about so far, and it tends to be a little bit more personal than what the actual subject matter is. And what I mean by that is people have been asking me, well, you kind of portray yourself as a believer in all of this stuff, but yet you're talking all of this stuff like none of it is actually true. So I guess what they're asking me is, if am I a skeptic or am I a believer? Well, you know, I'm kind of a skeptical believer in a lot of things per, per, having to do with the paranormal in and of itself. Things of the fantastic. UFOs, ghosts, cryptozoological creatures... All of that sort of stuff. Yes, I am a believer for the most part in a lot of it because of the experiences that I have had and a lot of the stuff that I have not necessarily personally witnessed, but witnessed by proxy, if you will. Now, I have had some ghostly experiences that I am unable to explain away, and I have had a UFO sighting, an unidentified object sighting in the sky that I am unable to explain away. So in that aspect, yes, I am a believer in a lot of this stuff, but I am not your typical believer that hears anything and everything and just willy-nilly believes everything that I'm heard and told. And my point of doing this entire little miniseries is kind of to to call out some of the people that are making some of these really obnoxious claims about certain things in the UFO field in general. That's what this basic little miniseries is about. They're, they're really making a lot of these absurd claims and are not backing it up with any tangible proof that we can get our hands on for ourselves to sort of make sure they're not trying to pull the wool over our eyes, if you will. So in that aspect, I, I'm kind of skeptical because there's a lot of people out there, the, the so-called experts out there, that are telling us all this stuff like I've talked about in the previous four chapters that really don't have any basic standing in fact. No basis in fact, if you will. They don't have any proof to back up all these claims they're making. They're just they're selling them as being real and being factual, and they're not really giving us anything that we can sink our teeth in to, to see that, you know, you know what? You know, yeah, that is true. 
And that's all I'm asking for is you, if you make these the outrageous assertions and these claims, just give us the proof that you have to show us the things that you're saying are actually possibly true. Now, I, I am not a fan of skeptics, professional skeptics specifically, in general, because they have this mindset already going into any situation that nothing is possible. They've, they've already set their mind that UFOs are fake, ghosts aren't real, there's no such thing as Bigfoot and all of this stuff. And no matter what evidence that you show them, they're still going to find some excuse or a way to explain it away. So... In that aspect, no. I, I, I honestly, I, I kind of can't stand professional skeptics more than these bombastic statements that some of these uber, quote, professional ufologists make more so. So, and I think the best way to explain it is something that Nick Pope had stated on a couple of documentaries and it's a line that he's used a couple of times and I've heard a couple other people use it as the perfect line is a believer only has to be right once a skeptic has to be right all of the time so in that aspect Yes, I mean, if we, and we're not going to see a UFO land on the White House lawn. At least I don't think we are. So we're not going to get that hardcore proof. But if, if something happens where everybody or a mass of people see it and there's no way to possibly deny it, then yes, that is going to be proof and a professional skeptic isn't going to be able to explain it away as easily as they or a lot of people think they can. But a believer really only has to have the proof and have people there to witness it or have evidence of something happening to be able to substantiate their claim. So what I'm just, my, my whole point of doing this podcast is to kind of call out some of these over-the-top professional, quote, professional ufologists that are making all of these claims, like I talked about last week with all the Nazi stuff and all of that, and some of the UFO crashes. There's no proof, really, that we can see for ourselves to know that all of that stuff is true. Am I saying that any and all of it isn't true? No, I'm absolutely not. I'm just saying make these claims, then show us your proof. And why do I talk about that now? Because chapter 5 is going to be one of these chapters that is really in the, the strike zone of what I'm trying to get across because there's so much out there about alien abductions that we don't really have any concrete proof that we can sink our teeth into to see if it is in fact 
an actual real phenomenon that is going on or whether it's something more mentally wrong with the people that make these assertions and whatnot. So I don't have any personal experience with alien abduction, so I can't personally say whether or not they are real or they are not real. I can just go on my own personal feelings and opinions in that manner. So as I stated, this chapter, chapter 5, is going to be a very kind of a little touchy subject as far as the content go because I don't have any proof that they are or aren't real, nor have I had an experience where I feel like I have been abducted by aliens. So I can't say one way or another whether they really are, and... If you are a person out there listening to this podcast, I don't mean anything that I'm about to say to come off as offensive to you because I'm not personally going to call you a liar because you have had these experiences and only you know whether they're real or they're not real or whether there's some kind of mental issue or physical issue causing you to have these these experiences. So, so please don't take any offense if you are somebody that feels like you have been or are being abducted by aliens. I don't mean any disrespect to you and what you're going through at all in this podcast. I do not want to come off as a Michael Shermer or any of the other professional skeptics out there that just willy-nilly say there's absolutely positively no possible way that this could possibly be true because it just isn't because I'm not one of those people that have my mind set in the ground that they're not true. Now that being said, alien abduction is our topic for chapter 5 this week on show your work for Too Boldly Pod. And like I said, it's a touchy subject because it kind of started a little bit in the 1950s, like we talked about a couple weeks ago with the whole contactee movement in the 50s. Kind of started, it got big with the whole George Adamski thing and the whole 1950s contactee movement was more kind of a microcosm of the exploding UFO scene in the 40s and 50s, and and it was the explosion of the whole UFO conventions and all of that. And I, I don't really put a lot of weight and a lot of belief into the whole 50s contactee movement because I think it was a lot of people trying to get their 15 minutes of fame. And if you're not clear or don't know what the contactee movement predominantly it was people staying they were they were being they were seeing these ufos the ufos were landing and taking these people on their ufos on their spaceships and and taking them around the galaxy and around the solar system all, all of this stuff and and it basically 99.9% of the time turned out to be the aliens were telling the human people that were aboard their ships that 
they're here to to help humanity to help us cure our ways of evil trying to make the earth a better place and it was really synonymous for how the whole cold war era of the 1950s was a sort of fringe time when we were really starting to explode with all the atomic weapons being built by the u.s and the the soviet union and the cold war was was on everybody's mind and everyone was afraid that we were gonna blow up the planet in a nuclear war and all of this stuff and i think that's where the whole contactee thing really took off and again a lot of it had to do with with the conventions that were exploding at the time people saying they saw ufos which i don't necessarily disbelieve a lot of the the ufo witnesses in and of themselves that claim they saw ufos and those people going to these conventions i just my gut feeling for a lot of the contactees like george adamski and he was kind of proven to be a, a fraud after the fact but a lot of these people were just going to these conventions and, and talking to reporters and going on film and whatnot and making up all of these these absurd claims, trying to get sort of their, their 15 minutes of fame. So I really think that is what the gist of the whole contactee movement was. The whole alien abduction thing didn't really start or take fold or take motion until 1961 with the Betty and Barney Hill abduction case. And that is actually, of all of the claimed abductions that there are since the 1960s and winters, depending on what report you want to to look at or read or take stock in, or, there's an estimation of over... 100,000 claims of alien abduction just here in the United States since then. And like I, I'll repeat my qualifier for this entire thing, if you are one of those people that, that think you're being abducted by aliens, I, I mean absolute no disrespect whatsoever for what I'm about to say, but of all of the over 100,000 claims of alien abductions here in the United States. Who knows what it is worldwide? There's really only two that I really put a lot of weight into. That doesn't mean I don't... There's not a lot that I think are quite possibly real or actually happened, but there's really only two that I really put a lot of stock in, put a lot of believability into, and one is the the first one, the Betty and Barney Hill abduction case in 1961. And the reason that I put a lot of stock into that one is some of the things that came out of that that really there's no explanation for. And... It's the first time that we kind of really got a glimpse or a definition of the prototypical gray aliens. A lot of people say it was, was Roswell, but Roswell, if you remember, really kind of got buried after 
the Air Force came out and said it was a weather balloon. People kind of forgot about Roswell from just after 1947, and it didn't really come into the mainstream again until the late 1970s when it was really brought back up into the forefront, and that's really when it exploded. So there was a 30-year gap there where nobody really knew or talked much about Roswell, so there really wasn't anything publicly that we knew about gray aliens until the Betty and Barney Hill abduction case in 1961. And that is one point of not contention, but one point of believability to me is they were the first ones to describe these beings to the masses, if you will. The second point of believability for me, and this is kind of the the biggest one, even though the star map might be the bigger one, but I think the bigger one is Betty claiming that these aliens gave her a pregnancy test in her navel, and while under hypnosis, she was relaying that she asked the aliens what they were doing, and they claimed that they were giving her a pregnancy test, and she said, well, that's no pregnancy test that I know of through the navel. And she was right, for at the time in 1961, there was no such test for pregnancy that went through a woman's navel. That wasn't invented until almost 10 years later here on Earth. So how did she know 10 years before it was invented that they would do pregnancy tests through the navel of a woman's body. And of course, the third thing, which is probably the most popular point of believability for the the Hill abduction case, is the star map that Betty drew from memory after being shown a map of where these aliens showed where they were from. And... The map didn't mean anything to anybody at the time, and it wasn't until 1969 when an amateur astronomer, Marjorie Fish, took Betty's map and sort of correlated it with updated astronomical knowledge that we had in 1969 that they didn't have in 1961 and she was able to take Betty's map that she drew from memory while under hypnosis or coming out of hypnosis and she was able to locate the star patterns that she had drawn and identified them as Zeta-1 and Zeta-2 reticuli and the interesting thing about that was the map that Betty drew was a perfect match for the star layout that Marjorie Fish was able to identify. And the unexplainable part about that is it was reversed from the way that we would see it from here on Earth. 
the way that Betty drew it was if you're looking at Earth from beta 1 or beta 2 reticuli from that system. So it would have been from the alien's point of view looking towards Earth, and that's how Betty drew the map. And I just think that is one of the most substantial pieces of evidence that Betty and Barney Hill were actually taken aboard a spacecraft and interacted with beings that aren't from this planet. So that case, the first case, to me is probably the most important and the most credible, the one that has the most provable evidence, undeniable evidence that it actually happened. And there's a lot of people, skeptics out there, that make all these excuses up. But between the star map and the pregnancy test that didn't exist for another 10 years, that's kind of hard to disprove, in my opinion. Now, the second one is another one that a lot of skeptics really throw away, and it kind of has a little hand in the Betty and Barney Hill case as well and that's only because of the skeptics and that is the Travis Walton abduction case that one to me really has a lot of footing as well not just because and I know a lot of people will argue that that lie detector tests aren't usable in a court of law or aren't believable and all of that stuff but all six of those people that were involved in that abduction case passed numerous lie detector tests over and over and over again. They never once wavered. And the other thing the skeptics will say about the Travis Walton abduction case is the fact that one of them claimed that he had watched the TV movie about the Betty and Barney Hill abduction case a few days earlier called the UFO incident. And that's where he got the idea for this. Now, my whole point of that is these guys were loggers. They were salt of the earth guys. What, what was the point of them trying to bring on all of this attention and I know the skeptics also say that, well, Mike Rod, they were way behind on their their contract and they were about to lose their contract for this logging project that they were working on. But Mike Rogers was actually the person with the contract. He would have been the one that was going to lose everything. What would Travis Walton actually be gaining from all of this notoriety and disappearing for five days and all of that what would he be gaining by losing this contract he wouldn't be gaining anything he would be losing his job for that matter if they would have lost the contract so there's really no legs to stand on with that explanation it was would have been all Everything Mike Rogers would have been losing everything. So why wouldn't Mike Rogers been the one to disappear for five days? And if you don't know the Travis Walton story, it was a group of six guys that were up in the forest of 
Arizona cutting down timber for a contract and on their way back into town at the end of the day they saw this UFO Travis Walton got out of the the truck to get a closer look at the UFO that they saw and a beam of light kind of came out and hit him like a phaser weapon or something knocked him to the ground the rest of the guys got scared and drove off and they quickly turned around to go back to to get Travis. They thought he was dead, so they just wanted to to a make sure he he didn't need to go to the hospital or something. If he was dead, they wanted to get his body. And when they went back there, less than five minutes later, his body and the UFO were completely gone. He wasn't saw again for another five days when he reappeared miles away mind you and the rest is kind of history he ended up stating that he was taken aboard this ship and experimented on and all of this strange stuff and his story has a lot of nuanced differences than the Betty and Barney Hill case Sounds like he was taken aboard what would be known as a mothership or a larger ship. And he was given the opportunity to sort of roam around it in all of this. The only thing that I kind of sort of question about his story is he never really explains how exactly he ended up back on the Earth. He talks about walking around this giant UFO, this mothership, and seeing all of these hangars with these smaller UFOs, and then the next thing you know is he's back on the Earth. So you never really get that explanation. Maybe he doesn't know. Maybe they they knocked him out or something again and then transported him back down to the Earth and left him miles away from where they took him. But that story, too, has really been sort of torn apart a lot by the skeptics and they've never really been able to to in my opinion logically explain away what happened because they when he disappeared for the five days they they grilled all the other loggers gave them all these lie detector tests threatened to to put them in prison for for killing Travis Walton and all of this stuff without a body. They had hundreds upon hundreds of men doing a search throughout the woods and couldn't find Travis Walton. So it wasn't, like I said, he didn't reappear until five days later, miles and miles away from where he was where he disappeared from so that and the Betty and Barney Hill case are the two that I really think have a lot of supreme possibilities for probably being true probably actually happening there are others out there that I I think are very interesting and very plausible like the the Allagash abduction case in the 70s of course everybody knows Whitley Strieber's claims and and I take put a lot of, of of credit and credence behind a lot of his explanation but 
as time went on with his notoriety with with abductions he kind of kept sort of adding stuff and it could have been where he was remembering more as it went on and but she also have to take into consideration that he was also a professional author so who knows about that one but it was a very intriguing stories and there's all sorts of very interesting claims of alien abductions and I'm not going to talk about the survey that I have out there for for everybody to take until the final chapter, but I have included a question. It's on SurveyMonkey if you want to search for the survey called Show Your Work and you want to take it. I would appreciate it. Six simple yes or no questions, and one of them is about alien abductions, and I'm kind of surprised at the responses that I'm getting to that so far. So as far as alien abductions go, it really is just my personal opinion. And I think a lot of the, like I said at at the beginning, there's over a claim, a report that there's over a hundred thousand Americans that have claimed to have been abducted by aliens. I don't really necessarily believe that there's been a hundred thousand Americans and who knows how many worldwide that would claim to be abducted by aliens. Do I think it's possible? Yeah, I mean, because I kind of do believe the Betty and Barney Hill one. I kind of do believe the Travis Walton one, I the Allagash abduction case. I kind of sort of believe that one too that's another very interesting one too that there's things that are kind of hard to explain how they happen but the problem with the Allagash one is it's just the the four guys and there's really no way to substantiate their story other than taking their word for it. And that's kind of what you have to do with a lot of the alien abduction things. You kind of have to take people at the word because unless you get some of the the alleged implants that aliens put or allegedly put into some of the abductees that Dr. Roger Lear was abstracting or taking out of people for before he passed away that that's the really only concrete proof that a lot of us have to know whether alien abductions are actually real or not so do i think there's a hundred thousand americans being taken by aliens no i really don't but do I think it's possible that some of us might be? Yeah, I kind of think that is a possibility. I don't think it's quite as many as 100,000. But again, like I said at the beginning of this whole thing, I don't really have any proof one way or the other. It's just my gut feeling and what I believe in my opinion. So is it possible? Yes, it is possible. If you are somebody who feels like you are being abducted by aliens, then I would suggest that that you seek out whatever help you can afford or that you can reach out to to try to find out whether this is actually happening or not. Because 
if there are aliens and they are abducting us, and there's all kinds of explanations out there as to why they are abducting us, whether it's just do medical tests on it. A lot of people are claiming that they abduct us to make alien-human hybrids because their species is unable to copulate so they're unable to have kids themselves so that's how they advance their species is to sort of blend their genes their dna with other species dna i.e the humans so you get your alien human hybrids and that's how their species continues to advance and evolve and continue to survive who knows if it actually happens? Who knows if it does? Why it happens? It's one of those points of ufology that we really don't have any concrete proof on to. And it doesn't help the fact that some of the professional ufologists and people on documentaries, and I'm not talking about the, the people that have claims of being abducted, and I'm not even talking about any of the the professional psychologists that do regression hypnosis or any of that. I'm not casting any aspersions on them because they're there. They experience it. The, the people that are being abducted are experiencing it. The hypnotherapists are doing the regression, so they're there. It's the people that, like the professional skeptics and the over-the-top professional ufologists that are taking these claims and creating all of these stories around it that really don't have any basis in truth. And kind of an example of that would be like I talked about in the last chapter with the underground bases where the people are claiming there's these seven levels in Arizona and New Mexico that are these these bases that that are in Arizona and New Mexico that go seven levels deep and the bottom levels you know five six and seven are all controlled by aliens and they take all of these humans down there and do all these tests on that stuff there's no proof behind any of that so that's where I kind of draw my 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 line at the whole alien abduction thing. I have nothing against people that claim they have. I, I have no no reason to believe that they're lying. It's just I need to see the proof about these underground bases and these sort of mad scientist alien experimental rooms and all of that stuff that I really kind of take an issue with. But I do believe the the Betty and Barney Hill case is probably something that actually happened. I really think the the Travis Walton abduction case is probably true. As far as the rest of them, I don't really know. But I do have my opinion. I think some of them are. I think a lot of them are probably not. But I don't really know one way or another. 
I kind of feel bad for even having this conversation because I don't really have any proof one way or another, and I don't really feel like I'm qualified to sit here and talk about it because I don't have any proof one way or another. But it's something that has to be talked about within the basis of this little Show Your Work mini-series, so I had to include it. If you have any thoughts about alien abductions, let me know on Facebook or Twitter at TooBoldlyPod. And next week is going to be a fun little episode because this is when it kind of really starts to get out there. Next week we're going to talk about aliens and the moon and Mars. And trust me, there's some out there opinions and thoughts about that, so... Thank you all for listening. As usual, I don't have a closer for this podcast, so I'll simply close with a line from Whitley Strieber's book, Communion, when he's interacting with one of the aliens. The alien says, I am the dreamer. You are the dream. <laughs>